Hey, welcome to episode number 232 of More Than Bread. I'm Dan, and I'm your Bible host for the next few minutes as we dive back into Paul's letter to his friends in Colossians, is the name of the book. In his book, Primal, Mark Batterson shares a story. I love this view of scripture. He says, in 1801, Sir David Brewster was awarded an honorary Master of Arts degree from the University of Edinburgh and was ordained to preach. But his first sermon was also his last sermon. (laughs) Brewster was so nervous when he got up to preach that he vowed to never do it again. In the words of a colleague, it was a pity for the National Church of Scotland, but a good day for science. Brewster decided to pursue his first love, the science of optics. And, And in 1816, his childlike passion produced an invention that's captured the imagination of kids ever since. I had one when I was young. Brewster called it a kaleidoscope. Containing fragments of colored glass, the kaleidoscope reflects light in an endless variety of colors and patterns. And here's where the application comes. So it is with every word that comes from the mouth of God. According to rabbinic tradition, every word of sacred scripture has 70 faces and 600,000 meanings. I don't know where that comes from, but there is a sense in which scripture is like a kaleidoscope. Well, while I believe there's only one meaning, what the author intended, what God wanted written through the author, there are so many applications, one meaning, multiple applications of scripture. That's why you can read the same verse on different occasions, and it'll speak to you in totally different ways. Like the Greek philosopher Heraclitus said, you never step into the same river twice. In a similar vein, you never read the same verse of scripture the same way twice. And and that's a, a testimony to the way the Spirit of God breathes life into the Word of God in your present moment. God, by His Spirit, uses His Word to speak to us now, not just a the Logos word, but the Rhema word, a a message, a personal message to you right now. Even in scripture, there's more than we can see. In the last episode, that was my closing thought. There's more than I can see. The more I ponder Christ, the more I realize that there's nothing more than him, but there's always more to him than we can see. So we're back in Colossians chapter 1, and this time I'm going to read verses 1 through 14, though I'm not certain we'll cover all of that in this episode. I'll be reading from the New International Version, Colossians 1, 1 through 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Coloss, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all God's people. And and in my words, remember, I've said that Colossians is this amazingly Christ-centered, Christ-obsessed book. But at the same time, we we keep kind of running into the mission of Christ. So uh, there's going to be both, who Jesus is and who he calls us to be and what he calls us to do, and this love that they have for all God's people. That's part of the mission. And we'll see it again in just a few verses. Verse 5, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you in the same way, here comes the mission again, in the same way the gospel is bearing fruit and growing through the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. 
for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. And here comes the mission again, (laughs) bearing fruit in every good work growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that we may have, you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us. He has rescued us. And and again, I'll just tell you, that's part of our mission. We partner with God in the rescue operation of the world. Verse 13, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son that he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. There's more than I can see. When it comes to Christ and his mission, there's more than we can see. There's more to life. There's more to Christ. There's more to the kingdom of God, more than we can see. In the last episode, we started talking about some of the very real things that we don't see, right? Three things that often go unseen in our neighborhoods. First, we don't see the brokenness. Secondly, contrastingly, we don't see the potential for glory. And finally, the last thing that too often goes unseen in our neighborhoods is the work of Christ. That's where we finished in the last episode. I just want to continue on there because I'll tell you, when, when you combine the brokenness of people with the value of people, you end up getting the attention of God. And so as we make our way through Colossians, what we'll find time and again is this challenge to see Christ and, and to see Christ at work in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our schools, our communities. See, I think sometimes we unsee the brokenness in our neighborhoods because we don't see the work of Christ. We don't think that we will see it. We we don't think that he's at work in our in, in our neighborhood, our neighbors, our, our workplace. We're afraid that Christ isn't enough. He's enough for me. But we're afraid that somehow more burden will be put on my shoulders than I carry. I can carry more will be asked of me than I can afford. And, and in the end, it probably won't make a difference. So we close our eyes. But time and again, I'm challenged as I read the book of Colossians to have faith that God is sovereignly sufficient for your neighborhood, that Christ is sovereignly sufficient for your workplace, for your school, that the cosmic Christ lives next door and loves your neighbors more than you can imagine. So so let me give you one more imagination exercise. I, I want you to picture a bed. I know that's kind of dangerous. Your eyes are getting heavier as I speak. Some of you just got up. <laughs> So imagine the bed and you're in it. Now listen to these words written by Craig Groeschel. He said, most people are going to take a long time to die. There are those few who go suddenly, accidents, heart attacks, gang shootings, a soapy slip off the edge of the tub. But for you, chances are that at the end of your life, you will die in bed waiting. And while you wait, you will very likely have days, weeks, maybe even years to think, to look back on your life. And so there you are, paging back through the chapters of your life, asking questions like, what did I do with my life? What good did I do? Whose whose life did I touch? What will my kids remember about me? What did I and my wife create together that left the world a little better than it was when we got here? Those are legacy questions. They surface in our minds when we look forward to things that we can't yet see, things that haven't happened yet, but, but maybe we hope they happen. 
And you know, I, I think we don't we don't often think about this enough, but the more I study the call to love our neighbors, to be on the mission of Christ, to be generous with Jesus, with the people around me, the more I'm convinced that if I don't have a legacy in my place, in my front yard, if we're not making a difference in the lives of our neighbors and our coworkers and our friends, our classmates, then we're missing a core part of our calling from Christ. So what is the legacy that I'm leaving right where I live, in my front yard. Uh, listen to what Paul says in, again in Colossians 1, 1 through 2. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossus, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. Now, here's what I take from those two verses, and I probably said it quick enough that you didn't catch it. Well, what I take from those two verses is that we kind of have two addresses, <laughs> There's there's the place where we where we live and the place where I'm in. <laughs> two locations, a geographical location and a spiritual location, two identities, a, a community, a neighborhood identity, a work identity, and a spiritual identity. And when our identity is found in Christ, see these people were in Coloss, and Paul says they were in Christ. When when our identity is found in Christ, then wherever we live, Christ lives next door to our neighbor. <laughs> see, we're missing something about our neighborhoods if we don't see our address in Christ. You, you know what that means? It means that there's more going on in you and perhaps even through you than you can see. If you are a Jesus apprentice, then when you moved into your neighborhood, Jesus moved in too. Your move-in date was his move-in date. Now, if I asked you where you live, most of you would give me an address. You, you'd describe a place. You live in your in your neighborhood, in your apartment building, in your dorm. But it might surprise you to realize that biblically, we live out our lives in one of two places. We either live in Adam or in Christ. That's how God sees you. That's your neighborhood. And basically, Paul says that one of those two neighborhoods define us, shape our identity far more than the geographic location of our house. We are defined by our address in Adam or in Christ. Now, I'm going to hit this a, a bit more down the road in an upcoming episode, but for now, just realize this. This is such a huge deal to Paul. In his 13 letters, 13 books of the New Testament, Paul talks about being in Christ over 200 times. In Christ, in him, in the Son, in the Beloved, over 200 times. And if Paul uses these phrases, talks about this idea over 200 times in 13 letters, do you think he thinks it's important? Yeah, in fact, I would say that if we want to love our neighbors like we love ourselves, if we want to be on the mission of Christ, nothing is more important for us than pondering the truth of being in Christ. We we can't really love ourselves until we know ourselves, until we know what it means to be in Christ. You are in Christ. If you grew up in the church, an evangelical church, we, we usually talk about inviting Jesus into our life. Inviting Jesus into our heart. Wouldn't you like to invite Jesus into your heart? We, we say those words. Like we all get our own little mini-me Jesus that we can fit into some corner of our hearts. Big enough to comfort us in the dark, but not big enough to call us to change our darkness into light. Paul also talks about Christ in us. He does. But us in Christ always comes first and more frequently. In Christ. You know, every once in a while, I fly somewhere. I've flown to Myanmar, Argentina, Israel. Most recently, we flew to Destin, Florida for some family time. When I was young, I had this recurring dream that I could fly by myself. Man, I love that dream. Sometimes I would go to 
bed praying, God, let me have that dream where I fly. But, but dreaming it doesn't make it real. If you want to fly, you have to get into a plane. I know some of you guys are, some of you are thinking about, what about those, those people in the squirrel suits? That, that's not flying. That's fancy falling. You have to get in the plane. It's not enough to open, be open to the plane or be close to the plane. If I want to overcome the law of gravity, I need to get in the plane. Something happens when we get in. It's something that can't happen until we get in, in Christ. Paul continues in verses 3 and 4, says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people in Christ. When we are living in Christ, we begin to have a deep faith and an overflowing love for all God's people. And this faith and love, Paul says, springs up from hope. Verse 5 again, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven. Faith, hope, and love. The faith and love that spring up from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. I mean, when you start talking about a hope stored up for you in heaven, we're getting back to there's more than we can see. These folks are filled not only with faith and love, but also hope, a, a heavenly hope. In fact, it, it is this hope that gives birth to their faith and their love. And, and what is hope? It's the perseverance that comes when our eyes are focused on an unseen reality. Uh, I was reminded this week of a day that our family spent at Disney World. And if you've been there, you know that after a day at Disney World with your family, you are spent. <laughs> It was quite a few years ago. Sarah was maybe a freshman in high school, and we were there on vacation. The park was crowded, shoulder-to-shoulder people. It cost way too much for a day, but I worked really hard to get our per-ride cost down. (laughs) That's what I do. Near the end of the day, around 11 p.m., I had blisters on both feet, and and I didn't tell them then, but I'll confess it now. I'm rather glad my family didn't want to stay till closing at midnight. But at about 10 p.m., we were waiting for the fireworks display, a few hundred thousand of us. And I'm thinking, what is the draw? Why are we all here? I mean, you know all the rides. If you've been there before, uh, my family knew most of the jokes on the Jungle Cruise. We know about the ghost hitchhikers in the Haunted Mansion. And so I'm just asking myself that question, looking at shoulder-to-shoulder people and the fireworks start, and there's choreographed to music, and it's exploding over Cinderella's castle. And the music is that simple song. When you wish upon a star, makes no difference who you are. When you wish upon a star, your dreams come true. And I, and I realized in that moment, Disney's not selling the rides. They're not really marketing thrills and shows. They're marketing the magic. It's all about wishes and dreams and stories that come true. It's all about hope. And I just thought, we'll crowd shoulder to shoulder, hundreds of thousands of us worn out from a day of standing in lines. We'll stand for another few moments in the darkness of the night for just one more taste of hope. Hope that there's more than we can see. One more hint of a wonder that comes from beyond our world to make ours a better place. And it was easy to set aside my skepticism in that moment because I knew that in my heart of hearts, I long for the day when there is an unseen hope It completely transforms our seen reality. So just quietly whisper it to yourself one more time. There is more than I can see. 
Listen again to verse 6. In the same way, Paul says, the gospel is bearing fruit. It's growing throughout the whole world just as as it's been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. The gospel has been let loose in the world, and it's bearing fruit throughout the whole world. We don't always see it, but there's more going on than we can see. In fact, I could tell you story after story of the gospel bearing fruit throughout the world. Seeds are being planted and fruit is being harvested. I don't care how dark it seems. I'm telling you, the gospel is going forth. So ask yourself, where in my neighborhood, in my workplace, in my place, where in my place am I planting seeds of the gospel? Where am I being generous with Jesus? There's so much of Jesus. We we have so much Jesus that we can share. Where am I sharing Jesus? How am I living a life of faith and hope and love and And maybe even specifically, how am I loving my neighbor? Listen, there is more than you can see. God is doing more than you can see. There's there's more that he's doing in you and in your front yard and where you work. God is doing more in you and through you and around you than you can see. What is unseen is not necessarily unreal. I think we need to simply ask him, Jesus, give me eyes to see. Help me see where you are at work. Help me to fix my eyes on the realities of heaven. Give me eyes to see the realities that are currently unseen. And so, Father, that's what we ask. Jesus, give us eyes to see. I pray that prayer over each and every person listening. Jesus, give us eyes to see. Help us to see where you are at work. Help us to fix our eyes on the realities of heaven. God, help me to see you in my neighbor, especially the one that annoys me and frustrates me the most, in my coworker, my classmate that that is so unlike me, in, in that person where it just seems like there is absolutely nothing spiritual, nothing Jesus going on. Would you give me eyes to see the potential for glory? Would you give me a heart that sees the reality of the of the hurting, broken places? Would you give me your compassion? Would you help us to fix our eyes? on what is unseen, the realities of heaven. And and, and God, we pray, Father, we pray, Jesus, we pray, would you let your kingdom come? Would you make it down here like it is up there? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.